Good morning. It is so good to be in the Lord's house with all you folks. I'll just give you a little rundown on who we are uh, before I get into the message. My, <clears throat> my name is Hayward Eastman, and I'm married to Effie. She's sitting right here in the right front seat here. We've been married for 58 years. <clears throat> we, have, we have two sons, one daughter, eight grandchildren. Effie and I attended NBC, which is now Vanguard College. <clears throat> we gra graduated in 1986, and we have been in pastoral ministry for 35 years plus. And uh, the past 19 and a half years, we pastored at Coal Lake Community Church in uh, Coal Lake, Alberta. We've retired from pastoring a church, but never from the work of the Lord. We'll always be working for the Lord. I, I tell people I want to die with my boots on. <clears throat> We've moved to, just moved to uh, St. Albert so we can be closer to the Father's house and and be involved in the great work that God is doing in this place. But that's enough about us. Let us see what the Lord has to do for us today. My message today is about resetting our preferences in worship. We can worship God in many places in many ways. I'll mention just a few. Uh, you can start your day with devotion, the devotional. And uh, Effie and I, we start after we have our breakfast. We, uh, we do prayer and, and a little devotional. And uh, you can use it as a time with Christian music. If you can play an instrument, play your instrument and sing, that's a great way to worship the Lord. If you can't play music, there's a lot of good music and ways to get it today, and you can just sing along with them or just worship as they sing. Uh, you can read your Bible and pray, and that is, uh, uh, you, you've got to do that, right? The Bible is God's Word to us, and if you want to hear what God is saying, first you have to know what His Word is saying. You've got to be used to his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so if you never get into your Bible, you'll never hear the voice of God. You've got to be spiritually in tune to hear what God is saying. Uh, you can worship God uh, enjoying his great crea creation. All around us, there's so many places you can go. You can go into a park. You can drive off somewhere into the woods and you can just have a great time just worshiping, praising God and thanking Him for His creation. You can worship God through love and service to others because you, we serve God when we're serving others. Uh, you can do ra random acts of kindness. You can give a portion of your time. Time is very important. And the church needs your time as well. So you can give a portion of your time and your talent to the church. You can give your treasure, your tithe and your offerings to the church. 
All of these are necessary disciplines in our personal walk with Jesus. But today I want to consider worship within the house of the Lord. Consider the important part that my personal preference plays in worship. And ask ourselves the question, do I need a reset in the way that I worship? And what would a reset in my personal preference accomplish for the kingdom of God? The word reset means to move back to an original position, back to the manufacturer's specifications. And we have a great manufacturer, God in heaven, our creator. And he designed us to be worshipers. And he wants us to worship in a certain way. And it means to restore. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will just minister into our hearts. Make your word clear to us. And I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that lifts the yoke of bondage upon every life. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> My first point today is our personal preference affects worship. We love to have our individual preferences and desires met. And this craving go, does not disappear when it comes to worship. We have certain ways that we like to do it and all of that. <clears throat> My personal preference can have a positive or negative effect upon my own worship experience with God and upon the people around me, the people in the, my realm of influence. If I allow, for instance, if I allow dislike for a person who is ministering or the songs they are singing, that will have an effect on how I'm worshiping. And how I am worshiping is going to have effect on others as well. If I prefer to allow resentment and bitterness or unforgiveness to dwell in my life, that's going to have a negative effect on my worship. If I prefer to cover or hide unconfessed sin, that's going to affect my worship. It will have a negative effect for me and others in my realm of influence. Sometimes it takes a reset in our personal preference regarding worship to get us back on track. Jesus' discourse with the Samaritan woman sets a standard for true worship. In John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. If we are to truly worship, then truth is wor in worship is paramount. So this calls for a clear, unswerving focus or a refocus 
on the person whom we worship. And what is his name? Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we, folks, we've got to get this right because we do not worship the worship leaders. We do not worship the pastors. We worship Jesus. When we come to church, we come to worship him. We come to focus upon him. He's the focus of our attention. He's the focus of our worship and praise. And so, true worship takes place on the inside, in the heart, or the spirit of the worshiper. Anything less appeals to the flesh and conforms to the world. And it may be entertaining, but it is spiritually dead. It does nothing to save a soul. And the church is all about reaching people for Christ. Father's house is about seeing that people will have the experience that gives the joy and the peace of the Lord that passes all understanding. Some people find it hard to enter into worship because they have issues in their life. Sometimes secret sin, unforgiveness, offenses, rebellion, rebellious spirits, an unwillingness to conform to a known truth of God's Word. If we hold on to some of these things, or any of these things, it leaves a person in a, in a spiritual numbness. You become cold, detached, lacking a feeling. Spiritually, that is. And so you can come into church and, and you, you just can't get into worship. You don't feel like raising your hands, although everybody is doing it. You just don't feel like praising the Lord. And so we need to come to the Lord and allow Him to minister into our hearts. You see, just when you begin to worship him, that's when all of these things begin to fall off. You ask, how important is it for true worship? Well, let the Bible, let's let the Bible answer for today. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's the answer. That's the answer to the question here. It says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. You may say, Pastor, my hands are not very clean today. My heart is not very pure. You see, God knows that you and I, he made us. He knows what we're like. I suppose there's hardly anyone in the building that haven't fallen flat on your face spiritually a number of times. But God has made provision for when we get into a place where we should not be, that we can be restored, that we can reset, 
and get back to that place where you can be read out for God again. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, speaks to this issue. It says this, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? I like to call this keeping short accounts with God. This is a provision that God made for you and I so that when we get off track, when we need a reset, we can confess our sins to Him. And the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so all of the stuff that we've allowed Satan to bring into our life can be taken away in an instant. And then... We are ready to get on with God. Now, when we, when we take care of this business, we are able to worship in spirit and in truth. A moment with Jesus in confession can help us reset our preference. Our whole attitude can change when you have relationship with God. Now the, 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 the shout and the dance and the waving of the hands has meaning for you. You can be into a, a large gathering of people and everyone is shouting and praising God and dancing, but you can be in a place where you are just going through the motions. You are really not connecting with God and the reason for that is because you're not worshiping in spirit and in truth because you're harboring some things that needs to be taken out of your life. And God has made this provision and none of us walks on water. We are all at a point where we need him every day. We just sang that song, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And so, and a moment with Jesus in confession can reset our preference because you, you renew your relationship with Jesus. It's just like when a couple has a quarrel and, you, and you're, probably you're not even speaking to each other. You're not on speaking terms. So you give each other the, the silent treatment. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, this is not working. I'm, and so you, you go to your sweetheart and you say, honey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And you kiss and you make up. And everything is beautiful again. And that relationship, and you, you just love one another. You're loving one another. And that's the way it is with you and I with Jesus. Sometimes we do things that is totally against his word. But when we acknowledge it and say, Lord, I'm sorry, he forgives us, and then you can enter in to worship. The enemy can't beat you up over that then because you've just asked Jesus to forgive you. You've just asked Jesus to take all of that junk out of your life and now you're, 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 you're filled with his love and his, his grace and you can worship him. There is life and there's power and there's relationship. 
You're not going through the motions anymore now. You are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. But now, that's the way you make a reset. With clean hands and a pure heart. So worship the Lord from the very depths of your heart and your soul. The psalmist says in Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter into his gate thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We've got so much, so much to thank him for. Man, we could never thank you. We often, Effie and I, when we're praying, we're thanking him for all the blessings and, and, and all of the provision that he is making for us and he has made for us and he will make for us. And we often say, Lord, you know, thank you seems such a, such a small word. But it's the only word that we have in our vocabulary that says, I, I appreciate what you're doing for me. And then we can thank him with our actions. We can thank him with our praise and worship. <clears throat> in Jeremiah chapter 18, God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house to receive a message. After watching the potter form a lump of clay into something useful and beautiful, Jeremiah received this message from the Lord. He said, like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. You see, God desires to shape us. And one of the ways he does this is when we humble ourselves like clay in a potter's hand into worship. As we begin to worship and praise him and acknowledge that all that I am and all that I have and all that I will ever have and all that I will ever be is because of him. In him we live and move and have our being. God's desire is to shape us. Bill Gator, Bill and, and Gloria Gator, wrote a song many years ago, and it goes like this. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. How many have found that God has made something beautiful out of your life? Let me see your hand. Yes, all over the building. You've experienced that in your heart and in your life. Worship helps form us so that God can use us. Worship is not simply a matter of preference. It is also about God's preference. God prefers that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. My second point is a reset in preference will promote unity. Imagine worshipers, including evangelists and prophets and teachers and pastors, together in community, worshiping together, experiencing the joy of the Lord. The Bible tells us that we do better together than when we are alone. And so we come together in Father's house 
to worship him. And as we blend all of our voices together, you begin to realize, wow, all of these people, we have something in common. Jesus is our Savior. We love him. We worship him. We raise our hands in praise and adoration unto him. We don't do these things just to put on a show. We do these things because we get lost in God. We love him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, the Bible tells us that just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts one of, of one body and we all belong to each other. We're connected, folks. We belong to the family of God. We are the church and the church is the body of Christ. And so we need each other. I know that some of us may find it difficult to commit within community, especially if you're kind of introverted like, like me. You say, Pastor, introverted? I guess so. When I said yes to the Lord many years ago, as, 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 as soon as I said it, I began to think, what did I say? Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. How am I going to? I was on boards for many years, church boards. And uh, I was in Fort McMurray, in the Gospel Church in Fort McMurray. And, and God got a hold of my heart. And I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. And then I began to think, wow. I've been on church boards. I saw what pastors have to go through. I'll be chewed up and spit out in no time. And uh, God reminded me of 1 Corinthians, how, how he takes the simple things and the weak things to confound, and, uh, and, uh, to confound the wise. And, and so I said, okay, Lord. And I... I I, I, I'm just a simple kind of person. And if God's word says it, and if God speaks to me and tells me, I believe it. And I just rest in that. I know that God is able to do anything through anyone. That he, he, won't, he won't call you to do something that you can't do. If you feel you can't do it, you can be sure that he will give you the strength to do it. God's desire is that we be together in worship. Jesus prayed for unity in his church as he prayed for his disciples. And so as he prayed for his disciples, he's, this prayer includes you and I as well. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And he said, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. You see, it is in unity. People don't care about anything else, but if they see unity within the body of Christ, that is an attraction. That is what will help people to believe that these people are genuine. 
They're together in purpose. They're together in serving the Lord. And so uh, Jesus knew this. And then he added this in his prayer. The gospel is a message of faith and unity with God and with others. In Ephesians 4, 11, 13, says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and the complete standard of Christ. That's what God intends for us, to be on the same page and doing what he wants done so that more and more people can be one for his name. So when we speak of a reset in our personal preference, unity is of most importance. Imagine worshipers of all generations, musical preferences united in community. Preference in music can be a, a contentious issue, I know, within church community. I've had to deal with it within my own life and also within the churches that I pastored. I was born into a generation where the hymn book was second to the Bible. And uh, I remember when courses and, and overheads were a contentious issue in the church. In my early years, I preferred country gospel, hymns, and uh, so on. And uh, Christian rock, as it was called then, was a no-no. And so... Uh, during my years in Bible college, I became more open to the Spirit's leading and gained some more understanding, and uh, that is not an issue with me today. <clears throat> I can go into a church that sings all hymns, enjoy myself, and, and, and get just as good a blessing as I can in the Father's house singing those new hymns, new songs. But uh, you see, you just adjust your preference for wherever you're at. And so, um, uh, during the years in Bible college, uh, I gained some knowledge in that. But in uh, Michael R. Mulvey, in his book, A Simple Serenade, Discovering Worship the Way It Was Meant to Be, relates a marriage ceremony to worship. And I thought it was neat what he had to say, and I, I included it here. It says, as the music plays, this near-wedded couple stands before their family and friends, hands clasped, eyes fixed on one another as if there is no one else in the room. This is the beginning of something to which they will devote their lives. Their hearts are pounding wildly as their love seems to be more overwhelming than they can survive. They have vowed to love and honor each other and for the rest of their lives. And they adore one another. They are devoted to each other. They worship each other. And then he goes on to say, love, adoration, devotion, commitment, abandonment. 
These are all the elements that apply, that accompany worship. But when we begin to uh, apply this worship to the created rather than the creator, we fall short of the reason he made us. In a congregation where people of various ages and cultures and religious backgrounds gather to worship, our preference and expectations may differ greatly. We know that. We understand that. There may be disagreements from simple things such as preferred ways of singing and preaching. We need to put aside these personal preferences for the sake of the gospel. We need to learn to compromise and, and, and reach a middle ground out of respect and love for the Lord and for each other. I read somewhere that a congregation is much like an orchestra. We're all different instruments with different roles, but our music is best delivered when we're all playing in sync and harmony, in tune with one another, with the Lord, and listening to our conductor, the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to do something in us that will have a powerful impact on the next generation. Our surrendered time, talent, and treasure is important to God's kingdom. We are the church with a message of hope for humanity. This is why it is so important that we devote ourselves to meeting together. What we're doing today, this is the second service in this assembly, and what we are doing is necessary within the kingdom of God. It's so important that we meet together like this. Serving together and giving together, giving of our tithes and offerings as an act of worship. This includes making disciples, communion, prayer, Bible study, Bible reading, overall time together with the family of God. And thirdly, and this point is shorter, worship is not only on Sundays not only on Sunday morning, but in every other context as well. God desires heart worship, not just lip service. Try worshiping God at home, in your car, at work, etc. Some of my greatest worship experiences has been at home with my guitar or keyboard, just getting lost in His presence. When I reach out to God, He reaches out to me in multiple blessings. I'm released from stress and anxiety. It was in one of the songs that we sang this morning. I feel clean, refreshed, and much more aware of His presence when I spend time with Him. Now when I come to church on Sunday morning, it's a continuation of worship very important. Worship needs to be a part of our lives. Now, our personal preference can create barriers for worshiping community. Like if I don't like the worship leader's style, if I don't like the choice of songs, or if I think the service is too long, or the pastor is preaching too long, all of these things are hindrances 
And if these things are in your life, you need to consider maybe you need a reset. What would it look like if you just got in God's presence in a way where he can minister to your heart that would make you just joyful, you could just shout, or you, you just throw up your hands without even thinking about it, or you just laugh or cry in his presence. Some of these things that we allow, that we harbor in our mind, just melts away in his presence. And so, maybe it's time for a reset. Paul gives us direction for a reset in Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, <clears throat> which is good and pleasing and perfect. The body of Christ is diverse in that we do not all share the same maturity. We have believers who have been saved for decades, and we have others who are just new to the faith. We did not all share the same path to spiritual life. Some believers were saved at a young age as a part of a Christian family. Others have come to faith out of deep spiritual bondage and addictions. They may have memories and experiences that cause them shame and embarrassment. And then there's ongoing struggles against sin. We will reach different conclusions, but all sorts of choices. How should we discipline our children? Christian school or public school or home school? Do we drink alcohol in moderation or don't we? What is the conviction about entertainment? A reset, a reset bring, will bring total focus to the mission, the message, and the ministry of Christ. Questions like these will just melt away in his presence once you press that reset button. Once you say, Lord, I'm tired of living the way I am. I'm tired of, of just coasting. I just want to be red hot with you. I want to be like that wedding, uh, wedding couple. I just want to, when I begin to worship you, I'm like it's just you and me in the room. There could be 500 people in the congregation, but just you and me as I begin to worship you. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 6. When one of you say, I am a follower of Paul, another says, I am a follower of Paulus, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? 
We are only God's servants to whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart, Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. You see, Paul saw a need for a reset in the early church. All through life, we're always going to have to be in a place where we're going to have to press that reset button again. Get back to God where we can get real red hot. We don't want to be sitting on the fence. I believe we're living in an age where God wants to do some great things. And the way he's going to do it is through people like you and me, who every now and then will have to say, it's time for me to press that reset button. Amen. So in conclusion, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as we prepare for communion today. This is Communion Sunday. And uh, as they're coming, I love the song, The Goodness of God. Uh, the first time I heard it, I just, I just melted in his presence. And many times now, the same thing, like uh, just weep before the Lord as, as we sing this song. This is, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. You see, when we pay attention to the words, you can relate to this song. God is good. He is constant. He will always be good. And the verse says, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That don't sound something just casual to me. That is, I believe, when the, when the writer wrote this, that writer was just in that place where they realized, Lord, you've been so good to me. You've been so good. You've been through good to me all my life. I'm getting a bit long in the tooth now. I'm an old man. And I can say, as a testimony, he's been so, so good to me. And if you are just a, a young boy or young girl here today, you can say with faith, God will be good to me. And so, if you can relate to these words in your life, how can you not worship and praise him from the depths of your soul? The gospel unites us together with brothers and sisters who will exercise their Christian freedom differently than we do. This isn't about resetting around a public gathering as the focus. The focus is on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus. And my brothers and sisters around me are focusing on Jesus. 
And together we send up a volume of praise. And we shout of joy. And it encourages other brothers and sisters to do the same thing. And if you've never tried it, next worship service, try it. I'm going to tell you, it's a life-changing experience. This is a resetting around focusing on Jesus. Jesus in your heart. Jesus in your home. Jesus in your marriage. This reset means I'm deciding to be led by God as a way of life. I will go where he wants me to go. I will do what he wants me to do. I will be what he wants me to be. I will no longer allow my preference to be a stumbling block to somebody else. I will no longer allow other people's preference to be a stumbling block to me. I will focus instead on Jesus. This is what brings personal renewal in a person's life. It gives a song in your heart and a spring in your step and fire in your belly. A move of God within the body of Christ because it will spread from person to person. It will overflow into the community and our Lord will be glorified in his church. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to go into communion right now. Jesus started the tradition of communion. remember in the upper room with his disciples. He instructed his followers to use bread and wine to remember the sacrifice that he was going to make when he died for our sins upon the cross. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, there's healing in the atonement. I want you to know that the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes. When they laid those stripes across his back, it was for our healing. I have witnessed in my years of ministry people who got healed during communion. And of course, the wine represents the blood that was shed for us. And as we read this morning today, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is writing and he says, For I pass on to you that which I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. I pray that you will bring healing, bodily healing, spiritual healing into people today as we reach out to you. Let's partake of the emblem of his broken body together. not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're remembering what God did for mankind, giving his only son to die on the cross, Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, you can know him. In a little while after we have finished communion, you can go over there by the cross. There's going to be somebody over there that will pray with you. If you need Jesus as your Savior, you've never done it, or you feel you need to make a new commitment to Him, would you pray after me right now? Heavenly Father, I come to you. I thank you that you gave Jesus your only son to die on the cross so that I can be saved set free from sin and live a life of victory I receive Jesus into my heart and life right now thank you Lord for saving me amen sounds like a simple prayer but it's a powerful one is one that invites you and initiates you into the family of God. If you've made that decision today, tell somebody about it. Within the next hour, tell somebody about it. And a good idea would be to go up to their cross there and tell those people up there that you've made a decision for Jesus today. And so, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's partake of this together. And then there's a whole, there's a whole lot of sermons in this little piece. For Verse 26 says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. He's coming again, folks. We don't know when. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. But it pays to be ready just in case. Lord bless you real good. 